Welcome to the Mohama Podcast, episode 78. I'm Mo, I'm here with Ellen, Ellen Al. Hello. <laughs> As Fraser labelled you on the uh, on the news post we no, put I out about it. the last one. Oh, was I that you? It. Yeah, I did it. Oh, so that's officially approved. You're Al now. Yeah, well, that's what my mum calls me and wow. my friends. Actually, they call me Ali. Wow. A lot of my friends call me Ali. We're calling you Al. Mo, Al and Al, what's going on? <laughs> How are we all doing? Good. Yeah, good. I right. feel better, so I'm happy. <laughs> Not 100% better, but like 70% better. 70%. That's yeah. fine. That's a 7 out of 10 in a Metal Hammer album review. That's that's yeah, like that's a solid right. score, decent. despite what people think. That's actually <laughs> a positive. Not that we're bitter about that How kind of you, stuff. Merlin? I'm fine. Thank you for asking. God, it's only taken 78 episodes. Cheers. I'm great. I'm in a good, good mood indeed. Um, went to see Metallica in Prague on the weekend. That was good fun. I want to hear all about that, please. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, I think. Um, in the meantime, everyone should go out right now and pick up, if they haven't already, which you definitely should have, our spectacular latest issue. It features the one and only Tool on the front cover. 13 years in the making uh, is their new album, Fear Inoculum, that is out oh, at the end of next week. It's actually finally upon us, isn't it? Yeah, Bloody really hell. Weird. Bloody hell. We're allowed to talk about the fact we've heard it now, aren't we? Oh, I reckon so, yeah. The embargo's gone. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we can talk about that. You can read um, our uh, the kind of, I guess, quote-unquote, official and a very extensive Metal Hammer review from Mr. Stephen Hill in the issue that is out right now. Um, but I'm very keen to know your opinion, Elle, having heard it twice in a, in a room... Uh, <laughs> surrounded by other writers and executives and PRs and such like. Well, the first time in the room was very, very loud, which was a bit like overwhelming. It was quite hard to take in because the whole time it was just like, this is really, really It was really, really loud. loud, wasn't it? On that? And apparently they'd specified it needed to be that loud. Um, and it was a bit like, I was trying to sort of take it all in and didn't really know what I thought about it and was kind of like, yeah, it sounds like tool, but I don't really know what I just heard. And then the second time I was able to sit back and kind of get into it a little bit more. Um, it's to me, it's kind of what you would expect in the tool have gone further than they have before down their tool proggy ways. You know, the songs are very long, mm. very rhythmic very much felt like I was being put in a trance listening to that album a couple of times. I swear the first time as well, there was some kind of incense piped into the room. And if not... You kept saying that afterwards, yeah. If not, there's something weird going on with my brain. And yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff in it. Like, lyrically, I did wonder whether Maynard was kind of drawing from the same well as Eat the Elephant in the kind of talking about um, politics, but with a small p, I guess you would say. Not like actual political parties, but kind of the way we interact with each other as humans and the way we mm. are. And there's a lot about the breath and you kind of get this sense that there's this feeling of kind of human connection and sort of exposing people who are exposing kind of wrongdoings. And there's, yeah, it's kind of very, it feels very um, kind of connected to humanity and nature. And there's lots of kind of nature interludes of water and, there's a lot to explore, basically. Yeah, I think we should maybe do a bit more of a deep dive on it next week once uh, it's about to be in a lot more people's ears and then maybe we can talk about your kind of overall thoughts on it. Okay. Does that sound in good? In the meantime, buy the issue. Yeah, in the meantime, buy the issue. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll go into a bit of a deep dive on the Tool album next week, I think, because um, we'll have got a chance to listen to it a bit more because uh, as, with oft as often happens with these albums, you get... 
you know, one, two, maybe three listens in a, a room somewhere in a label head office and then expected to come out with hot takes, which can be quite difficult. Um, but as I said, Mr. Stephen Hill, I'm a, I'm a writer, has heard it a few times. He's got a very extensive review in the new issue right now. It also features a very uh, in-depth and f- honestly fascinating conversation with the band themselves conducted by the lady to my left miss elena goodman it's very very good indeed and if that wasn't enough tool for you there's also a big 16 page tool bonus magazine that comes with the uh <coughs> the current issue of metal hammer as well um so shit tons of tool basically <laughs> we're so not doing much, this by half there's so much tool in that bonus magazine it's like obviously it's a magazine made of paper but if you could weigh the weight of those words in metal you wouldn't, be able, you wouldn't be able to pick it up because it would just be too heavy. Yeah, weird infinity symbol of, Your of metal. Your arms would fall off. Um, and yeah, there's a God interviews with Killswitch Engage in there. Really cool look into uh, the real sit, the real thing by Faith No More turning thirty. Uh, there's a free Killswitch Engage art print in there. Free thrash metal stickers. Um, there's a really cool interview with Lizzie from Hailstorm in there. There's an interview with Volby in there. Loads and loads and loads of big stuff. It is really good. We're very proud of it. Um, as I say, when you, get, you we finally get tool on the cover of your magazine, you don't piss about. So go pick it up right now, and we will do more of a, uh, a deep dive into the tool album next week, right here on the podcast as well. So there, Alice. Hello. What did you get up to this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to Norway for what? Um, for Midgard's Blot. That sounds impressive. Uh, yes. I saw some very interesting videos getting posted on the Metal Hammer account. Yes. Uh, Instagram account, I should say. Um, <laughs> what the fuck was going on? <laughs> yeah, that was the opening ceremony, I believe, I posted. So we did a bit on this with Jonathan last year, but just to kind of summarise, Mid- Midgard's Block is kind of a very uh, spiritually in touch metal festival yes. in the heart of Norway, isn't it? It's like history meets extreme metal. Right, Okay. So it's actually, um, it takes place in a museum, essentially. It's like a part outdoor museum, but also indoor. It's sort of this, um, these Viking burial mounds um, where, yeah, lots of, well, I guess about a thousand years ago, there were a lot of rich Viking families living around there. Um, There was an old great hall built there. People were buried there, obviously. Um, And they've kind of, it's, it's I think it's like the oldest sort of um kind of museum in Norway like outdoor sort of archaeological kind of museum I suppose um so it's quite significant um and it's a place called Bor um which is kind of like an hour south of Oslo mm-hmm. um and it's right on the coast as well so it's it's like a really it's a really atmospheric kind of spiritual place, I guess. Um, it's got a lot of history to it. So they have kind of created this metal festival on top of these, well, not on top of the burial grounds, but right ne- right next to them where they've kind of um, reconstructed um, a great hall, um, a Viking great, great hall. And um, f- I'm not sure if they do it for the festival, but they make this sort of gate, this kind of like Viking fortress gate thing that you can go, that you go into to get to the, um main arena essentially so it's really cool so you feel like you're sort of taken back in time to some kind of viking world mm. so it's really cool they had some weird w- rituals and stuff going on as well didn't they yeah they have an What's opening ritual so when they first open the arena at like four o'clock on the thursday they have um this great big ritual or like ceremony um where they're sort of 
in-house band I suppose they kind of are it's like this folk group (laughs) (laughs) and they um they all dress as vikings and they play this like really really cool kind of like tribal viking folk music um like on the drums and singing and it's it's really really cool um and they create this great big sort of circle around this strange wooden odin um with a giant penis someone just walked into the studio then i'm really gutted they didn't walk in about 10 seconds later because i would have been yeah it's like this carving of odin like old school like viking carving of odin with this giant cock for fertility i suppose (laughs) (laughs) odin definitely had big dick energy it's fine yeah he clearly did i think he had a lot of children um but um, yeah, and there's like animal blood as well. And they sort of put this branch and I'm not really sure if it's like you or maybe, yeah, something like that, ash or you or some some kind of like branch What's of a you? tree. It's a like yew a tree. yew tree. Oh, you, mm, sorry. Okay. Yeah, like. I thought you meant like you at first. I was like, no, what? like Y-E-W. Um, so they sort of put this in the blood and sort of, put it on Odin and say these kind of ritualistic words to the music as well. And then they get everyone to participate by doing the same and encourage them to sort of do, say a prayer or something to whoever they worship, whatever gods they worship. So a lot of people um, obviously do it to the Norse gods because they're either like neo-pagan or um, just feel like akin to like the vikings i suppose um because a lot of the people that are attracted to go there are probably viking blooded in some way but um uh, there are a lot of other people as well so they kind of there's this kind of very um inclusive kind of it's, it is very very inclusive and they um it just encourage you to sort of give it to to pray to whatever gods you you want but right. i didn't hear any satan which was sad no <laughs> there was Can no we ask what you pray to i didn't actually do it because jonathan got in there right before me and i was gutted. of course he did of course he did i was gutted and he like got right in there put the <laughs> put the blood all over his face and started like saying oh to ragnarok which was and he was the last person <laughs> and ragnarok is the end of the world if you know norse myth so i was like well or you have had to do it to Marvel ragnarok movies. Yeah, like you had to do it to that because you were the last person. Like you made yourself the last person by doing that. I can't believe you didn't get to say a prayer. Stitched you up there, mate. I know. He went in right before me and he had said beforehand, I'm doing it to Ragnarok. And I was like, okay, okay. And I was thinking, I'll probably just do it to Freya. And um, (laughs) then he got in. He got in before me. Unbelievable. Uh, what what bands were playing across the weekend then? Were there any particular highlights? Yeah, there was um, a really, your mind. really, really good lineup. So it opened with Girl's Word. Oh, shit. Nice. Yeah, so that was the first band and that was amazing. He did a lot of his new stuff, which was really, really good live. Um, and then that night was um, Ivor Bornson and Ina Selvig. Mm, yeah. um, so with their folk stuff. And it was mesmerizing. I didn't actually take any photos of that because I was like so mesmerized. Was it Skugshaw or Hugshaw? It was I get both really confused. of it. Okay. <clears throat> it was like all of it. So they did this like special performance for Midgar's Block because they've been involved or at least Ivor has been involved with the sort of setting up of the festival since it's 
it started and it was its five year anniversary. So um, yeah, they did this special performance and it was just amazing. It was really magical. Um, so that was really, really cool. And then um, the next day, um, there were quite a few bands on the next day. Um, so it was this, um, they were quite a cool sort of stoner doom thing, which obviously I love. Um, and they sounded a bit like we do. Yeah. So it was, um, so they were called Joint Hugger and I really liked them Joint because hugger. I liked them before I went. I was like, I'm going to go see them because they did this thing on Facebook um, that people were sharing where they had bought tickets to the event because they're a local band. Um, they'd bought tickets beforehand and then they obviously got on the the lineup. So they still had their tickets, but they also were banned like had band passes then as well. So rather than selling them, they decided to give them away. And they did this like Facebook giveaway where um, it was primarily for people that had never been before. And they had to sort of like write on the Facebook why they deserved a ticket and all that kind of stuff. And then they'd give people the tickets. And it was really, really nice. They thought it was a really cool thing to do rather than selling your tickets or whatever. So um, that was cool. And so I we went awesome. to watch them and that was really cool because it was inside the Great Hall. So all of the sort of wood was kind of like vibrating from the like really, really heavy, That's awesome. heavy, like sludgy doom. Um, so that was really cool. And then I also saw this Chinese band, um, Chinese black metal band called Zuriaki. Wow, that's interesting. That's awesome. Yeah, it was super cool. Like um, they were meant to play the, the main stage, but there was a problem with flights. They ended up in the Great Hall. And I think that was better because it was all dark in there and like mysterious and they're really atmospheric and um, they were really, really cool. They wear sort of Chinese hats. There's like traditional like, um, there's traditional hats that you just like associate with the rice, like the rice growing and stuff like that. There's, I don't know what they're called. The long, um, like kind of domed, not domed. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I think I know the thing, the kind of thing. You yeah, know. like there's really wide. Sort Almost of like a pyramid with a round yeah, bottom. I don't yeah. know what you call that shape. No, okay. I'm not sure what you call them, but those hats, they were wearing those and they were wearing all black and you couldn't see their faces and they had like this sort of veil over their hats so it kind of looked like a beekeeper. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> they're coming down. Have you met a beekeeper? Yeah. <laughs> but it was really, really, really cool. And um, they were burning something as well, which um, irritated my throat because I had a bit of a cold um, over the weekend. But um, I kind of like went out and then went back in because I was like, no, I don't want to miss it. So um, it was really, really cool. It was like kind of just atmospheric black metal. But instead of having the sort of like folky, um, Celtic-y, Nordic sort of sounds, it had like the Chinese kind of folky sounds. So that was really, really cool. Um, I would recommend them. Awesome. And then what else was on Saturday? I'll just look this up. And apparently the... Uh the hats are often called coolie hats. <coughs> okay. So. Cool. Well, it looked really, really cool because they were all in black and these hats. And it was like really spooky. <laughs> um, who else played? Um, that I liked. I saw Memoriam as well, who are like ex-bolt thrower and. Oh, British. yeah. So it's kind of cool to see them. Some underground royalty though. Yeah. I was like, oh, look, it's like people from the uk it's <laughs> 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 like oh birmingham accent <laughs> um and then deicide oh uh, wow headlined as well how are they on this friday they were really really good i really really enjoyed that um yeah it was really really good nothing more to say just great 
death metal really i was just like yeah <laughs> it was really good um and then on the last day which was the saturday um enslaved played which was really strange was massive lineup wasn't it yeah it was really really big why was enslaved strange it was strange because they had these weird dances. They had like this dance troupe on stage what? with them. A dance troupe. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna have to elaborate. Well, there were there were these um, dancers in sequins behind them that looked kind of like shadows because it's like black sequins and y- they were reflecting with the lights. So like kind of interpretive dance. Very interpretive. Yeah. Like Ooh. at one point, one like kind of died on the other one and was like dragged off. And what? it was really strange. <laughs> and then they kind of like went off stage and were like, oh, the dancers are gone. And then they came back out and they'd all just taken off their sequins and then had body paint. So it was like, oh, hello. So there were a lot of the men were like, oh, boobs, boobs on stage. Oh, what? Yeah, I know. Um, so they had like gold, gold body paint on and we're just doing this really weird interpretive dance again and like jumping up and down. And I was like, ah, oh, that must hurt because you need a bra. <laughs> i know i was like oh. please think of the boobs i know that's what i Not was in thinking anyway i was like oh that must be painful or liberating alice i mean it could be i guess but it depends <laughs> on how i don't know how big your boobs are i suppose does, yeah. this is the second week in a row we've talked about the role of boobs in extreme metal <laughs> after, after bloodstock in, in a in metal this these past couple of weeks there we go um yeah so that was interesting and yeah, so I can't, I don't know what Sounds like a lovely time. That. I think next year you should go and write as an experience piece about what it's like to be a dancer. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just go. In metal. And, yeah, we'll just get, we'll, we can both do it. We'll just get painted up in gold body paint. Just yeah, do let's do it. Piece. Let's like get in touch <laughs> with Enslaved and be like, we want to be part of this. How do we get on that dance troupe and yeah. dance view? Because wow. like it was a dance troupe, but they were kind of just, going mad so i feel like you know could do that we could do that right <laughs> we'll probably like get off from doing the podcast and find out they've had 20 years of training i know they probably have the royal ballet <laughs> of wherever their country is um yeah, yeah so that that's was... definitely what the royal ballet got to. <laughs> <laughs> it was strange um and then there was Heilung as well oh wow and they did a special ritual maybe the most immersive experience in metal at the moment if it you can was, even call it metal yeah it was crazy and um that was everyone had come like from their tents and everything by that stage like everyone was there to see them it was just like packed i hadn't seen it that packed the whole time um and it was really 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 cool yeah. Oh, it sounds amazing. I really wish I'd been there. Outstanding really stuff. Cool. One of the most unique and uh, interesting festivals it out is, there. It is, definitely. And we will be there next year as well, because that's what we do. <laughs> um, well, I was doing something a bit more basic, maybe. <laughs> 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 I went for a boozy weekend in Prague and caught a bit of Metallica, which was good fun. Um, I saw that you had two different Metallica t-shirts for each day. Yeah. Well, yeah, two per day. Super Pretty much. Yeah. I was ever for, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a really geeky thing to do. Me and my friends all um, wanted to go see, we basically wanted an excuse to go somewhere fun. So we thought we'd all go to Prague and catch Metallica while we were out there, which is good. Um, yeah. Firstly, Prague is wicked. If you're a metalhead, it is one of the most metalhead friendly cities I've been to. Obviously, a lot of people were in town from Metallica, but the whole weekend, um, uh, and I was there from Friday up to and including Monday. And the whole time I saw so many people out in like so many different metal shirts, like really vague, cool underground hoodies and patches walking around everywhere as well. So it wasn't just 
people in town from Metallica. It's a really cool um, place that obviously has a good uh, proportion of metalheads in it. It's got the, maybe the best metal shop I've ever been in. Oh, yeah? It's called the Metal Mega Shop. Ooh. And it's so good. Like they've got uh, the upper levels all like goth stuff. You guys would love it. Um, <laughs> and then the bottom levels all kind of band merch, but it's all sorts of weird shit. Like they had Metallica uh, kind of um, Japanese imprint load t-shirts and just really cool weird maiden shirts and seeing ages and all sorts of stuff road it's, trip it's awesome it's called the metal i think it's called metal mega, mega store or something like that wow. um and it's got probably the best bar i've ever been to ever as well um it's a horror themed metal bar <gasps> called nightmare and there's two of them Amazing. and apparently the other one's bigger and is open later and is a bit more of like a party place but i didn't get to go to that one um, but you you got in there and it's got this big pinhead and there's a leather face and a Freddy Krueger and they've got all these old horror posters all around. They've got like horror visuals playing through this TV. Um, and we walked in and they were playing Black Sabbath and I was just like, I'm so happy. This is so on brand for me. Uh, so yeah, that was my very brief metalhead guide to, to Prague, but it is good. Um, there's some other metal bars dotted around as well. It's a really great place. Um, so yeah, Metallica was great. Um, they had it on this, uh, of what I assume is now a disused like airfield space. Um, and uh, it was a really cool setup actually because kind of around the bit where you actually go into the arena um, they had loads of they still have merch stores and they also had bars set up and they had food stores as well so it gave it a bit of a festival vibe because like before you actually had to show anyone your ticket you could still just go I guess people could just turn up and drink and get some food and merch if they wanted because it was the atmosphere. yeah exactly it made it really cool um, although you would have had to drive a little bit out of town and all that together of course um so that was really cool um so we had what seems to be a slightly different experience from what a lot of other people had because we bought well they weren't called gold circle but they were called like section a tickets and i want to make clear that they only cost about 50 something pounds each i think maybe a bit more than that but i, but I remember distinctly that it was less to get like a good space ticket a bit nearer the front uh, in Prague which is part of the reason we decided to go than it was to get like a low level ticket or nosebleed ticket at Twickenham it was like cheaper to get like a really like banging view ticket kind of thing yeah, so yeah. from where we were um the view was amazing and it sounded really good and the atmosphere was a really good laugh and stuff I saw some people online afterwards saying that they thought the sound wasn't great and it was not very well organized in terms that's of getting food and drink and stuff, which wasn't really our experience. But I think that's because we got those tickets. And I think maybe the, the other tickets had a bit of a different thing. Um, but bearing all that in mind, uh, it was it was fucking great. I had such a good time. Um, they played uh, the, pretty much the same set list that they've been picking from across the other legs. I think this is the third European leg. Um, I think London was on the second. Or was it the first? I can't remember. But we saw them like nearly two months ago, wasn't it? Because it was in June, I think. Yeah. So yeah. that was quite a while back. And um, so we were wondering if they might change up the set list a bit. And they didn't too much. They're still kind of playing either St. Anger or Frantic. They're still dropping Clover in and out. And they're still swapping God That Failed with Harvester of Sorrow and songs like Ride the Lightning going in and out. So there's a few different songs doing the rounds. But... The one thing they did drop in, which was a really cool surprise, was Day That Never Comes, which they haven't played on this leg of like the, this stretch of the tour at all. Oh, cool. So that was really cool. And me and my mates were like having a lovely time about that because it was really com completely unexpected. The lights just dimmed. They went into this big 
kind of long jamming session and my mate Jack started losing his shit because he's watched loads of these live videos where they play Dead Never Comes and he knew what was coming and I was a bit like, what's going on here? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, they just randomly went into Day That Never Comes. So I don't know if that is just a random drop or I've got a small theory. Maybe they're testing it out again because they've got those S&M shows coming up. So maybe oh, yeah, they're maybe dropping they're in some more slower that. songs to see if they can get their heads around it and make it work for the S&M shows. That's just a completely random theory. Um, but it was weird that they did that because it was just not on any of the other set lists they've done. So that was really cool. Um, I and have yeah. a question. Go on. Did uh, Rob and Kirk do one of their noodle things? And what was they it? They did, and we went to the bar. Um, oh, what was it? I think they played. Well, I can look it up on setlist.fm, which I should have done before this. Uh, I think they played a traditional Czech jig of some kind, but let me double check that. It's never going to be because there are a lot of people around us that definitely started jigging when they started playing <laughs> it, and we didn't recognise it. Didn't jig? But there are other well, people. Well, I didn't know it. I didn't know it. It's not going to be it. as good as Germany and Rammstein, though, is it? Um, followed by Kirks and Rob Zulit and Cooler. Yeah, they did. They they uh, they played a little bit of Orion, which I recognise, and they played some of Man Unkind off the latest album, um, and they played something called Josin Z Badzin, something like that. So I think that was some song I don't know because I'm an idiot. So sorry. I presume that's maybe it, it sounded like a traditional song rather than like a pop song or a rock cover. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, but we didn't really watch that. Uh, and yeah, then they played Frantic again. I was hoping we might get um, St. Anger because we got Frantic in London, but it was worth it to have Day That Never Comes. Um, and yeah, it was, just, it was, I mean, you can't really have a bad time when you've got a Metallica show with that amazing screen, really cool visuals, mountains of pyro, and they're banging through Master of Puppets, Ringing the Bell Tolls, Creeping Death, Two Can Destroy One After The Other. It's just awesome. Um yeah, so it was a great time. I didn't catch ghosts. We kind of heard that because it was like 32 degrees when we turned up and there was no shade anywhere inside the stadium. So we kind of hid around the side under a tree and like kind of half watched, listened to ghosts. But they sounded really good and they definitely went down really well. Cause there Did was a lot of the memo stuff. that the Brits were coming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we didn't bring the weather with us. But yeah, it was really cool. Um, the band seemed to be really loving it at the moment. This whole thing they're doing of taking breaks in between legs of tours is obviously working out really well because they look really refreshed and they look really on it. Um, I thought they sounded really tight and uh, yeah, Metallica are just in banging form at the moment. So maybe I'll try and go catch them again soon. Well done for having a great <laughs> time. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Let's talk about some stuff that's been going on in metal this week. Um, Slipknot have taken over the bloody world. So good. How good is this? Their so first good. number one album in the UK in 18 years. Spent number one UK album since Iowa, which yeah, is crazy, but really so, exciting. so exciting and richly deserved. I love seeing Corey's tweet, which I can't remember offhand, but it basically said something like, you know, people doubted us and said that all I was doing is screaming to a mask. We weren't heavy enough and you know we've got a number one and always listen to your own voice kind of thing like listen to yourself if you and trust in yourself even when people are telling you no it's, it's something nice. really satisfying about the fact that it's it they've got the number one for an album that's genuinely really fucking good and yeah. i think the general consensus seems to be it's their best album in a while which i would agree with yeah i really love it um and it's got some of the heaviest songs they've written in a while as well, which I think is really cool. So it does go to show that you don't have to sacrifice anything to, to you know, do great things on a on a on a, on a big mainstream level. Um, got number one in the US as well. I got they got the number one in um, Ireland, and I read that 
Uh, they beat Ed Sheeran by like 15 sales equivalents or something. Oh, yeah, 12, I think. Is it 12? It's mad, isn't yeah. it? So it does make a difference when you support these bands, people, even big ones. Um, so, yeah, that's really cool. Shout out to everyone involved in this little not cam. That's very exciting. Interesting to see a tool can replicate that success mm, in a couple of weeks. We shall see. Who knows? I've got no idea where tool would chart, but given some of those streaming numbers and all the rest of it, you kind fans of are definitely there. It would be pretty high, but pretty I, again, high. I don't know how successful people are mobilizing and i don't know it's different isn't it i reckon tool fans will maybe be a bit older and more likely to pre-order and buy all the sets and stuff whereas slipknot mm. fans seem to really get behind the last minute everybody stream yeah. this record yeah <laughs> yeah exactly i mean because they totally gate crashed the us charts didn't they with all the albums after all the streaming everyone was doing so who knows it could happen um and speaking of stuff that could happen which i was really surprised by but i think very presently surprised is that Liam Howlett of The Prodigy is back in the studio working on new Prodigy music. That's interesting. That is interesting, isn't it? Um, Has he said anything? Or? Well, yeah, well, he said, I mean, not in an official, I mean, I guess it counts as an official statement. He hasn't, like, put anything out specifically in a press release, but um, that uh, if you head over to The Prodigy's um, uh, Instagram page and, and um, Twitter as well, uh, there's, a, there's, a bit, there's a photo of him on there twiddling about in the studio and he said back in the studio making noise brand new prodigy tunes are gonna roll wow. so he's writing new prodigy mm. stuff which is exciting and it makes you know there's a i think there's a feeling of slight conflict there in the sense that you know trying to imagine the prodigy without keith is a very difficult thing to do because he was such a massive part of what that band was all about um so that's going to be an interesting thing for them to all work out moving forwards but I'm also very happy that, you know, it's it's essentially always going to be Liam's band, really. And I'm glad that he's found it in himself to move on and at least try and, you know, do what he does best, does best, which is producing really great music. Because I think the one situation where you can't really hold it against a band for wanting to move forward is when something like this has happened and it's totally out of their hands. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's not like they kind of split up and then half of them have got back together or... No. One of them's trying to do music under the Prodigy banner. Like, you know, I, I do trust in um, the fact that I still think it's Liam's IP and it's Liam's it's Liam's thing, ultimately. He's done it without him before, hasn't he? Yeah, always outnumbered and never outgunned. He basically did without yeah. um, Keith and Maxim. Um, and, well, not necessarily because of that, but it's easily the least good Prodigy album. It was just lacking something. Mm. But I think that's more because of the direction he went with on that one. It wasn't really necessarily just because those two weren't involved. Because I mean, they're not in, they're not on at least. I think like half of the the last album, but it's just that live element to it that is just going to feel very different. So maybe that's something they got to work out. But I don't know. In the meantime, I'm I'm really interested to see how this works out. And um, you know, I I I don't want a world without Prodigy in it. So I I hope this works, and I hope that um, you know Liam is able to produce something really fucking amazing, which I think he probably can because he's the greatest dance producer of all time. <laughs> so that's the man with a prodigy tattoo. Quite, quite. Uh, what else is going on? This might be a bit of you, Alice. Maybe. <coughs> yes, this is a bit more me. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us then. <laughs> um, so Roadburn 2020 is going to be curated by Emma Ruth Rundle and Perturbator. That is really interesting. How do you what, feel about that? I've got two two curators which is i think a first is it i think so 
So Emma Ruth Rundle feels like a bit more in Roeburn's usual yeah. wheelhouse kind of atmospheric, yeah, yeah, yeah. undergroundy, uh, emotionally driven, heavy, heavy music. Perturbator, though, that's really interesting. Yeah, like synth, dark synth sort of stuff. Yeah. So, but I mean, he obviously is a metalhead and he is in yeah, touch with that world. Exactly. And metal has embraced that world very much so. So I'm really interested to see how he'll do it. Like, is he going to overthink mm. it and kind of try to make it super heavy to prove a point? Or is he just going to throw in a ton of synth wave there for the fun of it as well? Um, I'd be curious no to see idea. if there are any weird collaborations between them or between other bands of their genres. Yeah, they've got, um, they've announced a couple more people as well. I can't, rem- Joe Quayle. Oh yeah. Them. So she's going to be there. And um, these people performing. Yes. Right. There's like sort of like um, special performances from her. Like they call it a sort of, Oh, what do they call it? It's, it sounds like it's like a exhibition, but it's more like an exhibition of music. Right. So, um, her and there's also I've com- it's completely gone from my mind. The other person I can't remember the name of the band. Can you perchance read about it on www.metalhammer.com? Now, literally what I'm doing. Well, people can do that. So yeah, Roadburn's always uh, one of the one of them. I mean, we just talked about Midgard's but Roadburn's another one that's kind of become one of the most unique and um, beloved festivals in the metal calendar every year. Um, next year's event is taking place April sixteenth to nineteenth in Tilburg in the Netherlands. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, it could be really interesting to see what Emma and Perturbator pull out to um, build out the rest of the lineup. I think. Yeah, it's. Um, I've got it up now. <coughs> Sorry, Go I've got on. a bit of a funny throat. Um, so I can actually find it in the news story that I wrote, Cult of Luna. So, oh, shit. Um, wow. yeah, so there's, there you go. um, yeah, so Cult of Luna, Julie Christmas as well. Are they one. together as in Mariner or apart as in both performing their own material? Um, apart, but I think there's collaboration. So I think, um, Cult of Luna's... Johannes Pearson mm. um, is joining forces with Perturbator. Wow. What? So that's interesting. I like the way this is going. Grand centerpiece of the festival. Wow. wow. Um, so yes, it seems like it'll be quite interesting. That's the so really it nice might thing be about Rayburn, isn't it? Yeah. I but I haven't actually been. Jonathan always comes back and raves about it. But yeah. they seem to do loads of commissions and collaborations and create music and performances you wouldn't get anywhere else exactly yeah fuck I think yeah it, it's really really interesting and i definitely want to go i've wanted to go for a few years so well, maybe you should go and, yes. talk and tell us all about it on the podcast i afterwards. think i will have to uh, speaking <laughs> of collaborations hey uh, hey nice link yeah go on then I'll t- tell us about it Killswitch Engage have released a video for the song The Signal Fire and Howard is in it. Howard Jones, yes, come on. Howard um, and Jesse together in one video. Oh, mate, honestly. I mean, we, we knew for months and months that Howard was going to be on the new Killswitch album. The Killswitch album is now out there. Uh, I think it's a really interesting album and I think that um, I think there's a, it's a few different, very obvious high moments on there and I think The Signal Fire is absolutely one of the best songs on there i'm really glad that the song they've got howard on is a proper fucking ripper with a big chorus like it's one of the better songs on the album and i'm glad that he's on there but beyond anything else just seeing howard and jesse in a video together just having the time of their life is just 
so wholesome. It like the bit really when they happy. fist bump near the end, I was just like, oh my God, this is like so everything. So, so good. good. One of the best metal bands of all time. And it's just really cool to see them celebrating their legacy like that. So yeah, if you haven't seen the video yet, go to metalhammer.com and check it out right now. And uh, it's, off, it's off Atonement, the new album, which is out now as well. So there you go. I think that's also reviewed in the new issue of Metal Hammer. And we've got an interview with Jesse in the new issue of Metal Hammer where we went out to his habitat and hung out with him and talked about loads of cool shit. So you should go get that right now. And what about the print? Oh, yeah. And there's a free Kill Switch Engage art print designed by Mike D from the band. That's in the new issue as well. God, there's so much stuff we pack in there these days that I can't even keep track. Um, Ozzy Osbourne is a mutant in other news, apparently. A study has been carried out on his DNA and the results discovered, discovered, uh, this was reported in the New York Times, I believe, and the results discovered a previously unseen mutation which showed Ozzy has several genetic variations that predisposed him towards addiction and that the mutation allowed the now sober Ozzy, I just completely uh, made it obvious I'm reading this off a sheet, (laughs) (laughs) that allowed Aussie who's now sober by the way uh, to drink in larger quantities than the average person so he is a mutant and his superpower is drinking I'm sure they I'm sure they found this a few years ago was but maybe it wasn't the same mutation but I'm sure they found something different about him does it qualify him to be an X-Men yeah that's what I was thinking he should be an X-Men you know Marvel has the rights now they're probably thinking about casting so get Aussie an X-Men the petition starts now an Aussie slash Sabbath soundtrack to it as well oh now we're talking now we're talking. <laughs> uh, should we rattle off some reader questions quickly yeah. from facebook.com forward slash Matt Hammer readers? Bradley Stratton asks, which band has the best intro track at live shows? He's finding it hard to argue against Maiden with UFOs, Doctor Doctor or Metallica with the Ecstasy of Gold. Well, I think those are the best and I think Doctor Doctor <laughs> is amazing and I think Metallica, uh, and we should point out with Metallica, it's ACDC, a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll, followed by Ecstasy of Gold which I think is probably the best thing in metal. Although shout out to Airborne because they used the Terminator 2 Judgment Day theme uh, when I saw them a few years ago and that always stuck in my mind because that's like the best intro I'd say I've ever. Slipknot have 515. That's good. Just saying. Sure. That's the thing. <laughs> if that counts, yeah. <laughs> Why it, not? It does count, doesn't it? I guess so. <laughs> does it, or does it have to be music that's not their own music? Yeah, I kind of, well, 515 leading into people we call shit is pretty badass. So yeah, I'd probably take that. Good. (laughs) That's what I'm choosing. I can't think of anything else, so that's mine. Fine. Alice, have you got one? I can't think of any. I just think the best, the best intro track in a live performance is just any intro track for your favorite band. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. How nice. It is true. It's really nice, actually. It's a really nice, positive thing to say. It just gets you, like, excited, doesn't it? You're like, oh, my God, they're about to start. So I don't really take any notice of what they're playing. I'm just like, oh, my God, it's going to start now. How lovely. (laughs) Um, You've been gunned here, Al. I think this is some passive aggressiveness from from Jonathan Scott Anderson. doing a link. I don't think it was passive aggressive. I thought it was just a nice link, like your link earlier. Well, we'll see. Uh, Jonathan Scott Anderson says, inspired by Elle's ranking of the new Ramstein album at the top of her list because she's mad. Uh, No, because she loves it right now. (laughs) What are some albums you possibly overrated in the honeymoon phase of their initial release? Apparently, Jonathan (laughs) declared Slipknot's The Grey Chapter and Killswitch Engage Disarm the Descent to be their best albums when they first heard them, but time has lowered them somewhat. Mad you put The Grey Chapter of Slipknot's best album. Yeah, I mean, you must have been loving that. Maybe right. Maybe that's a bit of a burn. Well, that sounds like it to me. Have you ever, have you, I had a few of these actually. Go on. 
Um, well, I was thinking from last year, I rated the Skeleton, which album really highly, like it was like my third album, favorite album of the year. And actually, this year, I played that a lot less than other albums from last year, namely um, Conjurer and uh, the um, oh god, the Ghost album and the uh, Carpenter Brew albums. I've still played loads, for instance, amongst others, um, and the Perfect Circle album. I've played that loads. I haven't played the Skeleton Witch album so much, so maybe, I don't know, maybe it just hit an, a useful thing for me last time that hasn't this year. Um, I've also put down Macedon, once, once More Around the Sun. When that first came out, I was really, really digging it, and I and um, I felt like it was weighted towards its lead single, which I've forgotten, but the one that goes, This time, which is one of their best songs ever. But actually... When Emperor of Sand came out, I was like, oh, actually, this is the kind of middle ground between Crack the Sky and The Hunter that I thought the last album was, but this one's nailed it much better. And I That's... think I think um, Emperor of Sand really puts Once More Around the Sun in its place, personally. Yeah, that's in interesting, isn't it? Because that's perspective you've got from them producing another record and going to do a compare and contrast sort of thing. Yeah. It's not like you just tailed off it. You kind of went, oh, actually. But yeah, but I found myself like uh, comparatively definitely listening to emperor sam more since it came out than i did in the first few months after uh once we're around the sun totally fair and obviously i'm only I'm, i mean oh, i'm just uh, comparing albums that are all m amazing but um when i'm looking at albums from the 21st century that i made and have put out when the final frontier first came out i felt like they'd finally put out something that was very close to being as good as Brave New World was. And I said at the time it was the best thing they'd done since Brave New World. And I said it was better than X, Y, and Z albums from the past. But actually, since it's come out, um, it's probably the album I've gone back to the least out of all their 21st century albums. And when I do go back to it, I still think it's amazing. I think the Talisman's one of the best songs I've ever written. Um, I love the intro track and, and Final Frontier. Uh, the, the, like, there's loads of good stuff on there. But um, I actually listen to Dance of Death more, which is probably one of their more divisive albums. But I think Dance of Death has more big, big kind of top tier Maiden songs on it than Final Frontier. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of gone from being near my favorite of their 21st century albums to probably bottom of the list. Um, so, yeah. That's I feel like you've just me. gone into sort of like a maiden trance by yourself yeah. now. I have, Because <laughs> yeah. we're like, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the Black Sabbath album as well, 13. I really loved that when that first came out. And again, if I happen to put it on now, I do think this album's really good. Like It's got loads of really good stuff on it. But I do find myself still going back to the original OG Sabbath albums more mm. than I ever would that one. So I think I probably overrated that Sabbath album a bit more in my mind. But not the, deep, not the Heaven and Hell one. That one still slams. I have really bad most recency bias on everything and I can't think of anything that I've listened to past this year. But when Ammo came out, Bring Me The Horizon, I got really, really obsessed with it. And I was just like, nothing this year is going to be better than Ammo. I'm just really obsessed with it. But now in August and there's like a million albums that I've listened to and really enjoyed and just haven't really got back to that for a while. So probably... Yeah, the Ammo album's dropped off my list as well a bit. ...at the beginning of the year. But I really, really... It really I really hit at the right time for me, and I really dug it at the time, and like when we saw them live, Nightless Blues was so good, and it... Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just not quite stuck. I don't know, maybe... Maybe it's because it is so throwaway and kind of... Not throwaway, like but zeitgeisty. ...beginning of the year thing where you're a bit sluggish and a bit like, oh, everything's grey and it's wintry and I'm bored and I want something new, and you get something new and you're like, this is amazing, and... 
you know, that now the months have kind of worn on. There's been loads of stuff which is really interesting and innovative and cool. And so obviously I still like Ammo, but I don't know, not the same way as beginning when I literally thought it would be my number one album of the year. Hmm. Anything come to mind, Alice, when it comes to albums you loved and now love slightly less? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't think I have like overrated so i don't know if i look through my reviews i probably have i'd be like oh no i wouldn't give that an eight or a nine now but like maybe i was just too excited about them bringing out something new i don't know i like i was thinking oh did i overrate like oh the corrosion of conformity one the last one the one with pepper back in the band no cross no crown yeah but then I thought about it and I was like, no, because I listened to that when I was running not that long ago. So obviously I quite run like it. Run to corrosion of conformity. Yeah. Wow. And, and lots of black metal. Black metal's are really good to run to. Oh, Especially in the dark. What? <laughs> 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 it's kind of creepy and oh it kind of keeps word. you like amped, you know. It's yeah, like, running in fear. Yeah, it's good, but it's getting all your like, you I'm know, sure adrenaline. adrenaline. Yeah. Going. Black metal adrenaline. <laughs> and it's really fast as well. You're like, oh, oh man. Let's take a couple more <laughs> of these quickly because we're going to get booted out of in a minute. Quick, Merlin. Oh, me? or oh, fun. Uh, Jeremy asks, with Slipknot at number one, what other metal bands do you think have a chance of hitting number one on the charts? Tool. Do we think... Tool? Yeah, okay. Maybe, yeah. Tool. Yeah, I do think they could get it. Um, Avengers have done it. Um, I'm surprised Ramstein. Yeah, Ramstein didn't do it, did they? No. Interesting. Maybe it's because they're just so such a live band that people don't flock to their albums in quite yeah, the same they're, way they're so big i mean like, it did really well everywhere but you know like all across europe they're huge so it's it's a bit strange really interesting that is weird mm. um weird. i guess it's, it'll be the usual suspects um you know you're looking at bands like parkway drive and ghost and that kind of next tier of bands that are stepping up into arena levels maybe Nine architects Nails. they just had the massive hit with uh, old town road <laughs> old town road yeah it's from um the slip isn't it or is it the slip Night Nails song. Old Town. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> She's really threw me then. <laughs> Why? Because I thought you were talking about the country song. I am. It's got Night Nails in it. What? Yeah. I don't it's understand. It's got a Nails song in it. That's true. When was their last album? Oh, they've Night just been Nails. doing EPs, haven't they? Uh, yeah, they've been doing EPs. Hesitation mm. marks. They did, didn't they? Right, I'm really thrown here. What's Old Town Road got to do with Nine Inch Nails? It's got a Nine Inch Nails song in it. What do you mean it's got a Nine Inch Nails song in it? It's, I think it's something from the slip. But I'm just looking it up so that I don't tell you the wrong thing. Oh, it's Ghosts. Yeah, it samples... Hold on, what are you, when you say Old Town Road, what are you talking about? The hit song Old Town Road. Has a song from Nine Inch Nails in it? Yeah, it has, um, it samples it. Does it? Yeah. What? Yeah. Hold on, I've got to look this up right now. <laughs> I've been banging that song all year. Well, it samples Night Nails, so there you go. And you know, Road, I don't even know what song this is. I'm not going to sing it. I've made the mistake <laughs> of singing songs on the podcast before, and I almost did it, but I've saved myself just. In this time. is blowing my mind. Yeah, it's from Ghost, and that's <laughs> everyone's on their phones. <laughs> I'm looking right. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna. Right, we've got to get out, so I'm going to hold this thought and I'm going to look this up. But it's Old a Town real Road thing, I'm not making it up. Samples, Nine Inch Nails. Right, I'm going to look, I'm going to bench that. It's a real um, thing, man. I, <laughs> I, think, I, I think we're just going to have to leave that there because that's just blown my mind. Uh, 
So, Corn. one more question then. Let's do the last one. No, I want to do the Corn Oh, one. fine. SS Long <laughs> asks, considering Corn have a new album imminent, what's your favourite song? What's your favourite Corn song and favourite Corn album from Mr. SS Long? I love Corn, which is why I wanted us to do this one. We'll do it quick because I've got to go. I like Issues and Serenity of Suffering. That's my album choices. Okay, so you know the because question before when you talked about overrating albums? No. You put Serenity of Suffering is the second best Corn album ever. That and Issues are my favourite ones. Oh, I just word. really love that record. I really, really love Can it. Can I just it's pick really the um, Greatest Hits volumes? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've only got one volume so far. Although they probably have got enough other ones. And to my favourite corn song is Freak on a Leash. Very good choices. Do you have a favourite corn song, Alice? Um, I don't know. Oh, come on, it's man. Can't give us yeah. another one, I don't know. Yeah, I like them. I used to listen to them in the gym. So what's your favourite corn song? I don't know. You've one. given us three I don't knows for really questions. Right? I'm not letting you off the hook for this um, one. Song. All day I think about sex or whatever. It is. That's a good Adidas. one. Adidas. Adidas. Yeah, that one. That's a good choice. That one was the one, according to Head's book, he heard his young daughter singing it around the house and that's when he realised that he might need to leave corn. Dream, so it was I was dream about sex, isn't it? I was trying to figure it out. I was like, it's not a thing. It's all not day thing. long I dream about sex. It's yep. a dream, yeah. Um, my favourite corn song is Falling Away From Me and actually my favourite corn the corn album I probably listen to the most is probably actually Untouchables which is a bit of a weird choice but I just love it's got so many great songs on it and I love the production on it and I just think it sounds absolutely massive so there I love Issues I would agree Issues is also a fucking great album Issues is probably it's probably Issues or Untouchables for me to be honest Uh, that is it for this week's podcast we'll be back next week don't forget to go and pick up the latest issue of Metal Hammer with Tool on the cover it's an absolute banger of, an album, of, a, of a magazine loads of stuff in there um, and then the Tool album is out next week and we'll be doing a bit more of a deep dive on it so come back then thanks for hanging out with us we'll see you next week goodbye everybody yep. bye